Welcome to the Sanctum. Here we study the mysteries of Dungeon Crawl Classics and Appendix N. With your keepers of mysteries, Jen Brinkman, Mark Bruner, Bob Brinkman. Enter the Sanctum Socorro and be inspired. Welcome to the Sanctum Secorum podcast, where we plumb the depths of Appendix N as it pertains to the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. We're back, and we are here to help you serve these literary offerings at your DCC RPG tables. I am Keeper Jen, and with me tonight are the amazing Keeper Mark. Greetings. And the awesome Keeper Bob. Good evening, everybody. And tonight, in honor of oh, some recent release, uh, <laughs> uh, it's no secret that DCC Dying Earth is very near and dear to our hearts. It ate our heads. It, it did. It, it totally did. Uh, but we are here tonight to discuss the second part of the Dying Earth Saga by Jack Vance, uh, The Eyes of the Overworld, or as Mark would like to remind me, Kugel the Clever was the chosen title. Bob, take it away. In the dim, far future of Earth, when the sun had shrunk to a small red disk in the dark sky, and the race of man lived in isolated cities that echoed with the vastness of the world's history, Science, myth, and magic had become one. Sorcerers who read the books of ancient times held great power, and fearsome monsters created in ages long forgotten stalked the land. In this world of mystery and danger, the scoundrel, known as Kugel the Clever, was forced to undertake a quest for Yukonu, the laughing magician, a magician he has wronged, to retrieve magical lenses that reveal the overworld. Goaded by a homesick monster magically attached to his liver, he journeys across wastelands home to Almery. With a cult group on a pilgrimage, he crosses the Silver Desert and meets more danger and betrayal as he betrays others. A quest that was to take him to land stranger than any he had dreamed of and pit his wits and his sword against powers from beyond time itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you really need show notes for all that? <laughs> I'll admit, I'll, I'll, I'll admit after, after everything I've been working on, I wasn't off book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say that, um, you know, diving back into this for preparation for the podcast was really fun. And I really uh, envy those who are coming new to uh, the world of the dying earth and this being maybe an entryway for some folks um, because it is uh, still a great set of stories and just a, a really fun um, adventure so uh, good pick 
Well, I mean, it it was uh, kind of a serial thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we did the first part back in February of 2017, so it's only it's only been six years since we did the first book of the series. Was that my was that my very first one, or was that the second yes, one? Yes, it was. It was your first episode. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and it, and it, who knew where it was going after that? <laughs> Joseph. Joseph knew where it was going, apparently. Uh, I mean, clearly. Uh, I mean, just any, anything by John Holbrook Vance, a.k.a. Yeah, yeah. You, you say John Vance, I think his wonderful welcoming son, you know. Well, he's named for his father. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It is, it is just an absolute treat to dive back into this, and uh, especially with a with a new appreciation for Kugel and and understanding more that he's not he's not necessarily meant to be the villain that that we so often picture him as, right? But uh, um, I mean, he's yeah. in this one. He's certainly portrayed as a little bit more of a bumbling. Um, you know, self uh, important person, right? You know, this is kind of like. You know, a lot of the Kugel here is clever is not um, necessarily the the appropriate until the very end. Clever, the Kugel, the clever, yeah. And, you know, he also, this is much more of the, the scoundrel, Kugel the scoundrel as well. You know, there's a lot of um, misbegotten actions and behaviors that, uh, you know, that's, that's of the time and perhaps maybe uh, doesn't read as quite as well in, in today's modern sensibilities. Um <laughs> So caution to the to readers who you know, might be delving into this sort of for the time as well. You know, this is something that I think came after the Dying Earth novels, which were written in the 1950s. And then this, these novels were largely written in the early 1960s. Is that right? And they were published. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So they they are, um, uh, you know, they're very interesting yeah. just for the, the perspective these, of, you know, where they come in. published in 66. Yeah. 66. Okay. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, these are this is the beginning of the you know the Google stories and you know where so many ideas came for the thief in rogue classes you know for um, the first editions of Dungeons and Dragons that was you know something that Gary Gygax called out um, when he was writing about Google and um, yeah he's he is and don't forget the Wayfarer class for DCCRPG and and inspired directly <laughs> <by Wayfarer. laughs> yes yeah. Um, but I love these stories, especially the the middle section where we get um, the Mounds of Magnets, uh, uh, we get the Sorcerer Farsum, and then the Pilgrims, which is probably my favorite section of this this Ooh, set of books. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's one of these things that you you know I I it was directly inspired one of the the adventures in the adventure line for DCC Dying Earth, um, the Pilgrims of the Black Obelisk, which. Is kind of an homage to that um, that chapter in many ways, but it's such a funnel ready setting, right? You have a set of pilgrims on a raft that are, you know, all all have varying you know interests and motivations, and there's a group of them, and some of them don't make it, and in fact, you know, at the end, it's just you know Google abandoning them. But you know that to me, that was like a great way of a uh, gateway into the DCC uh, dying Earth uh, setting itself. So. Well, that's sort of the thing about uh, Kugel. When we when we visited uh, Manska Vance, right? When we visited the uh, the Vance house, and we were talking <laughs> talking to John about Kugel and how you know, Kugel was his father's favorite character in, in the Dying Earth, and 
and he saw a lot of his father in Kugel in that his opinion is you might think you're better than me and you might act like you're better than me, but you are no better than me. And so, so Kugel kind of plays that almost that, uh, that, that classic jester role in some ways of not mm-hmm. just speaking uh, truth to power, but bringing truth and a little bit of pain to power. Of course, he also brings you know, truth and pain to the downtrodden because he is equal opportunity because while anybody who thinks they're better than Kugel certainly isn't in his mind, Kugel certainly is better than everyone else in his mind. So, so there's kind of that balancing act. But that also leads to some great situations in this book, like when he ends up as the watchman of Vol. Right. And he shows up at the town and they're like, oh, yes, we'll put you in this tower. There's all this treasure and you're going to be taken care of. So great. And he gets up there. And where, where'd the ladder go? Oh, no, you have to stay up there now. You can't leave. You play yeah. a very important role in keeping it safe. Yeah. And, and so he doesn't. He, while he sort of comes out on top of every story, there's there's plenty of, of foibles with Kugel that that kind of keep him in check throughout the stories. And it makes, I think, for a, a really fun read. I think I did enjoy this one a little bit better for the Kugel aspect because, you know, like, he's not quite as chaotic as we would normally think of him as. He's a touch more um, the victim, if you will. Uh but it also has the shorter story element going for it, as opposed to the big overarching, uh, like Kugel Saga, or sorry, the uh, Spatterlight. <laughs> yeah, um, the the Skybreak Spatterlight. Um, that one, it's the only one in the whole series, really, with that overarching storyline that that is connective. Whereas this is more bits and pieces like the dying earth was yeah it it the through line is you know somewhere between the two where they he's journeying home but it's a lot like you said it's a lot less sort of this direct connection it's a lot more it feels more episodic right you know with these kind of five or six major stories and and you know bob you were saying you know kugel you know it's interesting because like kind of thinking about the people that kugel encounters in each of these those people are each trying like everybody tries to get one up on kugel you know essentially but ends up biting themselves in the in the rear right you know it's a result right because it's like, yeah. you know, for the watchtower but he releases you know uh magnets you know or the sorcerer parsim who you know tries to like uh you know i guess have the work gang and he's and he's sort of you know dip, you know not really paying attention to kugel well he ends up losing <laughs> totality and and that that uh and sending him back and not really recovering or gaining anything wrong. But the only one that I was thinking about that doesn't really get sort of his comeuppance is the wizard um Zerides, right, at the end, who becomes somewhat of an ally of Kugel and does so because he wants to, you know, essentially assist him in uh in taking out uh Yanaku, right? And and sort of assisting Kugel to um, to get back to Almory to uh, uh, to go back to to confront uh, Yanaku. Yeah, and you know, I I really I, I enjoy reading the story. I I enjoy, of course, you know, what follows as well. But I've got to say, I'm absolutely fascinated and dying to pick up a copy of Daw Number Eighty Eight, which is a quest for Symbolus. 
it was it was written by Michael Shea, and it was the authorized sequel to Eyes of the Overworld before Vance wrote his own sequel. So there's this official but uh, but retcon sequel out there, and then and then Shea wrote it had a couple other stories that he had written with the with the idea that he was going to be able to continue writing Kugel the clever stories, and so there's these other there's these other stories out there that are, you know, Kugel with the serial numbers just kind of filed <laughs> off. Um, and, and so it's, I, I, I really want to read those just for kind of completeness sake of the character and, and see, I mean, we certainly did, did some kind of Kugel inspired work with dying earth. I'd be really interested to, to see what an, another author did with the official go ahead to do something with Kugel. Yeah, I think we there's maybe a good reason for us to do it as a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll cover that next year. I mean, just there, there's just there's so much to to dig through, and and despite there being so much in it, it it breezes by so quickly because, like you mentioned, it's it's the episodic structure to uh, to the whole thing just kind of keeps you moving from place to place. And story to story, so delightfully quickly. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of curious, like, and I don't know much about the process that uh, Jack Vance did in terms of evolving the Dying Earth from when it was originally very disconnected. No, you know, same. same there are like one, a couple of stories have the same, you know, characters: Turgeon and Cisias and Tassane. You know, there's sort of, there's a little overlap there, but you know, the choice to have a narrative held together by one central pro or antagonist, you know, character like Kugel, you know, that's, that really changes the story because I think in, in going forward, you know, the dying earth is largely about, you know, these major characters like Kugel and Rialto, um, you know, taking adventures. And I'm, I'm kind of curious as the, the thought process or the evolution that, you know, Jack Vance went through in terms of deciding to change that narrative structure to this. Um, and maybe that was something that was just sort of required because, it, you know, a longer set of stories requires like a little bit more of that um, thread between the stories. Yeah. I, every, everything just sort of evolved as it went. And it's it's fun to see. And when you when you get to the the third book, essentially, in, in The Dying Earth, you see how things have continued to develop. And uh, it, it's it's really neat just reading the stories and, and the, the period of time they actually span in uh, Jack Vance's career is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that this is the uh, this is the book in the series that has the most fascinating end sheet maps, at least from the first printing. Uh, the Steve Steve Fabian was the cartographer, mm -hmm. and was pretty much all we had to go on <laughs> trying to put the maps together for the entire set. So I am, I mean, forever grateful for that. Um, in fact, I'll post a link to one of the few photos online I could find of it. And it gives you an idea of just how, uh, how things were laid out in, in the first place. Now, these do not necessarily agree with the uh, map 
from the first novel, <laughs> from from The Dying Earth, the first book in the series, uh, done by George Barr, uh, they have some of the same place names, but not necessarily the same location for those places, <laughs> nor the same spelling for places like Kansaspara. Yeah. Ask, ask Mark how much that one bugged us. <laughs> <laughs> it was I mean, that just talking about the kind of process, you know, Doug uh, Kovacs, who did the map for the DCCR uh, Dying Earth version, that if you get to pick a, a copy of the box set, you get this beautiful you know, fold out um, map. I, to me, it's it's really the most complete version that pulls together all the elements from you know the books. That you know, there's some a little like you said. There's there's some places where the spellings maybe differ a little bit, but you know, he did an absolutely marvelous job just having a comprehensive world map that really gives you a sense of the places that Kugel goes in his journeys, particularly this one, right? You know, where he has to travel this very circuitous route um and is always you know cursing Yanaku the whole way um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um you know but it takes him through the mountains through the forest you know to the the silver desert you know all the you know these these kind of great locations that are just you know so barely sketched out in any of the uh, maps before this but you know seeing that all put together in like one large map and then knowing Kugel's later journey and across the sea you know, kind of looking at those in comparison, and it's like it's it it. it I I love that. You know, the the fact that we have that now, right? Whereas I think the maps before, by and large, didn't um, have that much of a large comprehensive view, um, or it was hard to find that. So right, and and digging into the Spatterlight Society, um, they it, some some of the members of that society started plotting their own maps out with. Mm. exactly the trick they thought that google did based on the length of the journey and the number of days that <laughs> vance said had passed and the overland rate of blah 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 you know depending on what beast <laughs> they were riding or walking and the terrain and just every little minutia their aspect of minutia it's okay that's a bit much and Jim knows all this because she sat there with the books, the maps, and everything else, and plotted out ten hours <laughs> the dying Earth map. Uh, to well, hand the off. product is yeah. speaks for itself in terms of like you know the, what what that time investment. Doug fixed it, man. That, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Doug made it pretty. <laughs> he is a magician. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think there was one other thing I wanted to ask about before we get into things like stats. Mark, how did it feel to hold the Hugo? Oh, <laughs> yeah. When we went to Manska Vance, you know, and we had a chance to sit down with uh, John and the family, it was um, really great to go through and get uh, access to all the um, the artifacts that it, that are still in the house. Um, yeah. but the first thing I think that I was drawn to, you know, I, you, it was the this glass bookcase that held memorabilia from various parts of uh, Jack Vance's travels. You know, there were some very you know interesting curios and things like that, but this very small little section at the bottom held, you know, you could tell, I, I don't think Jack Vance was very much into, you know, the, the awards, you know, he was, certainly wasn't on, you know, the display, them prominently aspect, but, you know, he had all of his collected awards and honorary, um, you know, citizenships and things like that. And, and, 
got to hold the Hugo that uh, that Jack Benz uh, you know had, and it's just still collecting uh, you know dust in <laughs> the bookcase. But it was lovely. It was so great. And that's and also, you also saw that honorary Texan award. That's right. Yeah. The the thing that I think I amused me the most was that at some point Jack Benz was made an honorary citizen of Texas by the then governor, you know, of the of the state, and he has the uh, the certificate to approve it. Uh, that that same bookcase was where I think you found Jen the uh, the original uh, ink that uh, that you ended up now giving <laughs> you know, a copy of. And we and also his original dictionary and thesaurus, which was really meaningful to me, and I think to you know to anybody who was writing on the the team uh, and and Eugen for editing and doing writing as well. But just to go, be able to you know, browse through the book and and oh, yeah. I, I, well, I love the fact that we bought replicas. We did not, we did not raid. We did not raid the band. Oh no, no, the cover was nearly falling off of Jack's, um, <laughs> and and this is you know obviously a full bottle. I, well, okay, not obvious to the people on the other side of the screen, but uh, you didn't, you didn't I can clearly see in. it is full. It is a uh, Pelican four thousand T uh, in brilliant brown, and uh, yeah, this is the year I start using. Uh, you could have you could have pulled a kugel and like the replaces Boyanon salve with the uh with lard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have gotten us uh, any um, any yeah, this is the year that's good luck in our future. Cartridges are supposed to be. This is this is uh this is the year that Jen starts using you know brown oh, fountain pen ink and Jack Vance's inbox. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, she, well. did, she did, <laughs> she was gifted Jack Vance's wooden inbox. So I remember that. Um, so I think I can safely grab it. <laughs> it. I've I've been keeping it well and safe away from it is uh, while we're in the midst of uh, restructuring and reorganizing some things here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely that you got that. I remember that's, that was such a nice yeah, thing. Yeah, that that was fun to bring home in the luggage on a flight home. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, cracking at all. <laughs> but to your point, it's really interesting now revisiting the works after having not only gone through the project, but having a little bit more of an intimate view and glimpse into um, into Jack and his family's life. And, you know, that, that just sort of brings it closer, right, in terms of, you know, how meaningful the work is but it still also is a very good um you know good book and and good set of stories so um yeah i i, I certainly do appreciate that time that we spent there glad we can talk about it too for a while we were embargoed yeah right? it's been a very long six years for you mark um <laughs> yeah. i mean for the rest of us it's been you know five years or less but for you yeah yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm ecstatic for you, Mark, and I can't wait to see more coming out of the line and get my greedy little paws on it one way or another. Uh, I I'm excited for the team because yeah. it, I I feel certainly very blessed to have been part of like a a bigger group effort, and oh, you know yeah. it was even more impactful realizing looking at the final product and seeing all the effort that went into the layout, the illustrations, the, you know, Doug's artwork, even the packaging, you know, all that stuff that was oh yeah, you know, yeah in, in people's, you know, better hands than mine, right? In terms of like putting all that 
attention and everything. And it really turned out to be an excellent product. And the writing is a part of that. And and Bob and I and, you know, Julian and Terry were the primary writers, but we also had um, a lot of other voices in there as well, which is um, part of what we wanted to do was make sure that we, you know, had to um, cast a wide net for people who are really motivated by the stories, you know, and, and touched by the stories. And I think, you know, that every all the authors were, you know, excited and ecstatic to be working on on the, the Dying Earth series. So. Well, you know, Mark, I think I can speak for for most of the team when I say when you're offered a once in a lifetime gig to, <laughs> to play, you know, to, to play in the world of, of the Dying Earth. You say yes. <laughs> and, uh, and it was it was so much fun. You know, the, the Dying Earth project lasted longer than Google Plus. It's true. Because <laughs> that's where we started. I was lamenting the fact that, that too soon, Bob. Too some, soon. some of the original conversation notes, I've got them archived somewhere when I downloaded my Google Plus account. Yeah. But but that's that's where we started, and that's where we were originally working and hashing things out. And uh, it was a really great process because, you know, an idea would hit the table, we'd all throw some feedback into it, and yeah, it was. I came into it a lot later uh, because I didn't, I wasn't part of any of it until the final manuscript hit me, which I think was 2019, maybe, after Gen Con. And... It took a while for things to actually start moving and, oh, wait, you know, th this really needs fleshed out a little bit. Wait, did you guys mean this? And then I was able to finally get the feeling of, okay, now we're, we're blending things together. The voices are blending. And it really felt like Jack Vance had a real hand in doing the writing. So that that's, I mean, Bernickian phraseology and everything. <laughs> I just think it's sweet that you're saying, you know, 2019 with the final manuscript at your desk. Because I have, I have, uh, I was going through my emails today and I have stuff that I submitted to Mark back in like, you know, 2021 uh you know, <laughs> like january 2022 well um, that was that was the the final manuscript before the kickstarter doubled it yeah you know? yeah. <laughs> so. yeah that was before the modules before everything um <laughs> uh it in our twitch chat uh hey judge jen didn't you do a ton of editing for dying earth Ting. um <laughs> yeah i don't have to be that modest about this one uh I was the line editor for the Dying Earth Project because Mark and Joseph had faith in me. So here we are. Um, he did so, such a great job. And, you know, uh, I, I think the... No, 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 no. My job is to make you guys look good. End of story. Right, <laughs> you did a really good job. <laughs> fair, fair. I'll take that. Uh, so why don't we talk about some of your favorite things that were statted in this? Um, as a heads up for our listeners and viewers, tonight's format is obviously varying a little bit from the norm, uh, simply because, you know, we're not going to talk about things we wish we could stat up. <laughs> We've already done a lot of work on this. <laughs> so yeah. maybe a couple uh, tidbits that maybe, you know, the other two dozen reviewers on YouTube haven't covered. Um, Bob, I know you're chomping at the bit to share this one. Well, I, I should say, you know, again, you know, since since the first part of this series was six years ago, 
Uh, there's a. I, I will post a link in the uh, in the chat to the the original Sanctum Squirm companion from that, which <laughs> which among other things has the giant vocabulary list that I think played a role in Mark getting. <laughs> How many words are in that first list in the uh, in the Sanctum uh, Companion? Forty something. Oh, it was bigger than forty something. Give me a second here. I, I mean, so, I'm sure we could find it. Uh, not not sure it's, how quickly. It's five landscape pages. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I only expanded on that, but that was the that was the original thing to stat that got this whole project probably underway. Um, strangely leading to, you know, the the point in time when I was ready for Joseph to, you know, coordinate on this, um, because I think that was part of like his in, his interest was the fact that um, that we took, you know, as a it, when Sanctum did that episode, you know, we took a deep dive into it, and we already had some things that, you know, kind of we wanted to set up, and that was just the first Dying Earth novels. It wasn't the Cool or the We All right. but I, I think there was some stuff in there that I that ended up in the final manuscript, right? Because I think the Oost is is in there from um the original Dying Earth novels, the live Oost, boots. Yeah. Um that's something that, you know, got you know a little bit morphed and brought into the the because those are those are kind of the the real cool things that leapt out to to me when and you know when I was doing the companion pieces then. And like you said, Jen, there's a lot of things that are in the cools, uh cool the clever series that we sat it out, you know, as much as we could, you know, and, and we went back into that well again when we got the <laughs> Kickstarter to get even more of the things that were um, that we wanted to stat up that we didn't have room for in the original in the original books. And so we got more um, magic or artifacts and more creatures and even NPCs. You know, we have a, a cool um, NPC, you know, kind of cap capturing what we thought cool, you know, uh, was in the DCC RPG uh, setting. Well, and I've got to say, in the uh, in the Sanctum Companion, is the original version of the Life Gong spell, and I, I realized that today. And now I want to now I want to look and see how they how they stack up, how it stacks up against the uh, against the <laughs> official version of the spell. But we had, there was there was some really fun stuff in there. But going over the show notes, <clears throat> it was interesting. I was like, okay, so I've got. I've got like these six or seven things I think would be really cool to dive into, including talking about fancy and magic. Jen had like three or four things. And then Mark had like two pages between all of the things to stat and all of the vocabulary. And that was, that was the predecessor of the spreadsheet that was to come when, uh, when we, uh, when we signed on to the team and Mark would send us this, what, eight or nine tab Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I, I think it was up to 14 tabs in the end you know, with, with various categories. So, yeah. Now that I can check in a heartbeat. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark's I mean, there was a comprehensive there was... survey. Yes. Uh, I think those show notes would be like the ultimate uh, DCC dying earth uh ephemera <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah there's ephemera right. I, mean, I, th I think there was, i mean you know in part it was me trying to feel like i was doing a good job being a new host to sanctum which is a podcast i <laughs> enjoyed and you know felt you know nervous about taking a part in and being invited to that so i want to make sure that i um 
uh, really showed my 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 worth. Um, but I think it was equally part how much I loved the stories and just you know how much it has intrigued me. And obviously that you know uh, played out in a in a very much a a great opportunity and hopefully you know something that um, folks will enjoy too. But um, yeah, boss, you showed your worth. Four, Fourteen tabs. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that you know there's a lot of this um things that you know i kind of i was trying to think of this because jen your point of like what are some of the favorite things that we statted yeah. in uh in this version and, and yeah I, I mean we did do we the kind of the fun things was like the in the original in the, the core book you know so there's kind of two sections I'm thinking in my mind because we did went back and added a lot more with the Kickstarter where we added things like the, you know, the, the magic car, the boat car, right. You know, that was something that um, we added in the the second edition, but the things that made the first edition, clearly the eyes of the overworld, right. This, this, these like cusp that you can put and see this, you know, uh, see a picture of, you know, the heaven or, you know, another plane or, you know, whatever, whatever there's your description is. And with everything that we did in terms of magical artifacts, it always had to have some um, downside, right? Something that would potentially cause, you know, a Kugel-esque, you know, type experience where, you know, you, you have this great thing, but of course it could backfire on you. And the Eyes of the Overworld are the ultimate sort of version of that, right? Where if you don't have both of them, um, you are like stunned and sort of like maligned and fall backwards. You know, even when you have both of them on, you're sort of like this at, at the mercy of, you know, this kind of dreamland visions and things like that. But that artifact in itself is sort of like the epitome of, you know, here's something that everybody covets, but it, you know, it can also be used um, in ways that people are, you know, don't expect, you know, with the the whole, you know, obviously the way it plays out narratively in Kugel is that he's able to, um, you know, in the end, you know, take Yanaku and, and give him just one of the cusps and, and sort of have this nice bookend to the beginning and the end of the stories. Um, but yeah, that's an example of something that we we knew we wanted in there from the beginning, just because it's so iconic and it's and it has this sort of you know um, backstory of it can go wrong as well. Things that in, but that also had me in mind, thinking in minds of like things that we didn't include. You know, there's certain things that are made. You know, there's a lot of throwaway references in in the Dying Earth novels. Things that we were happy to take like. Oh yeah, let's take that one thing. A grew, sure. You know, we know <laughs> that's all. It's mentioned here, but you know, it's obviously got a lot of you know history apart from Tiger. I that. was I was so excited to to work on the crew. I mean, my before I'd ever read you know anything by Jack Vance. Of course, my first reference to the grew was it is dark. You are you are likely to be eaten by a wandering grew out of the old Infocom Zork games, and and then they they appeared in I want to say the Fiend Folio. Or is it Monster Manual Two for D and D? And they were they were okay. They did, certainly didn't. Looking at them now, they certainly don't don't feel fancy. And, and so getting to kind of dig into those and and stat the grew is really neat. Um, or you know, thinking of thinking of this book in specific, you know, I got to stat up our our vile but laughing magician, right? And so yeah. that was that was really neat to be able to to raise your focus on a single character because you know, the, the write-ups for those aren't incredibly long, but so you had to distill that character down. Here's what he looks like. Here's how he acts. 
here's a stat block, here's his spells. And it was it was a really neat exercise in in focusing on the heart and core of the of the character, uh, which is why I think it's so great that Julian did Kugel because it, Julian puts Kugel on a pedestal and we don't want to know what Kugel's going to do to Julian while Kugel's up on that pedestal, but <laughs> it's, it, it, that was, that was just absolutely. Chaos attracts chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, there were certainly other really cool stuff that came up in, in the box set itself, but you know, from, I would say from this particular book, uh, you can know, the, the laughing magician was one of my favorite things that I got to do for the project. Yeah, that's, I I I think that the fact that we did something similar, I mean, we, we you know, Lankmar did that and inspired us to add that as a stretch goal. But it was so fun to you know see those uh, stats realized or for the NPCs realized. And um, glad that you got you canoe. <laughs> that was it. I, I got a few others. I I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I want to say I did Rialto as well. I did. I, I think we all did like two or three. But yeah, that was. That was just a lot of fun, and of course, Jen, you you weren't you weren't writing, but you certainly were editing. What sort of what sort of you know fun things did you get to dig through? You know, I was just looking and trying to find. I think the uh, the main witch that we deal with uh, is actually in the previous book, Itar. Yes. Uh, so. The witch didn't have that much to do with this particular book, but I love the fact that we were able to iron out the witch's transfer vitality rule, that, that ability. Uh, it was a complete game changer. I mean, I, I remember the email threads like from Terry and, oh, yeah, we should definitely change the hit die to a D5 because that'd be perfect because <laughs> pentagrams and all that. <laughs> Okay, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and really, the challenge at that point begin, it becomes taking this rule set and making it, okay, I think I understand what everybody's trying to say, but let's try to streamline it because not every DCC player is going to want something this chunky. And we've already got the magician over here. <laughs> yeah. he, he's kind of... Yeah, a little bit uh, chewy to begin with. Um, so I, I really like how the witches, uh, the witch class turned out. And curses. We got to do curses. We got to expand on the curses. I remember Bob being so excited about that. I love DCC curses. There's only four in the core book, right? And being Horses. able to, um, I think, four that had the write-ups to them. And then, yeah, uh, and and their difficulties. Uh, I just, yeah, I loved being able to expand upon that and essentially replace the cleric spell curse with the one that you guys came up with, the Ensqualm. Mm -hmm. It makes so much more sense, and especially the expanded version uh, that was in the Kickstarter part of the box. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thrilled with the way those turned out, and the fact that we got so many more curses and spells added to it uh, as stretch goals just 
Yeah, keep them coming. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> how how many pages can I expand this spell list onto? <laughs> well, in the curses especially are it speaks to the kind of the different style of role playing that yeah. the DCC Dying Earth setting is because it's not a combat uh, right. you know, ability. It is right. a role playing. You you and the judge are working out the narrative, and that's you know something again you know that reflects you know the the novels right. It's, Kugel is not a swordsman, right? He is. He would much rather um, slide away, uh, you know, into the side while other people deal with problems, you know, or or escape nimbly, you know, uh, uh, to fight uh, or to uh, you know quest another day. And maybe even sprinkle some dream powder somewhere inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's the curses are this great thing that um, you know. I think that. Regular GCC, unless you're constructing a real narrative campaign, you know, is not is not going to be focused on that. But this gives people opportunity, especially with the expanded curses, to have you know more of that. Oh, you know, that person really ticked me off, and I want you know to get my revenge this way. And how that plays out narratively in a in a campaign setting is is a good you know thing that um, they create the good role playing stories that you know some judges and, and players want. So. Yeah, the curses are one of my favorite aspects. It's something that we got to to really expand on that is already part of the core book. And I think the the overall favorite thing uh, of the series was actually getting to to see and experience the uh, the Iron Stone generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all eight of them because uh those of you who have the ion stone dice need to pay a little closer attention to your inserts it's probably the best one on <laughs> and i would say isn't there like a a limited random number of the ion stone dice tubes that actually have the uh the additional Only two color? of ten have been reported wow yep mm. So well, pay a little closer to uh, your dice too, folks. Jim Scatch better up his game, I guess, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if they're NRFB, you might not get a proper photo of them, and you know, <laughs> we gotta judge them. So, well, shall we? Uh, shall we move on to some audio? Absolutely, Bob. Hit us with your Spotify playlist. Well, what else does everyone else? <laughs> quite the list um, i mean this is your department right i have like a paltry entry here oh so yeah so the uh the spotify playlist that i put together for this episode at the moment spans about seven and a half hours um there's there's music by like there's a there's a song called spatterlight and like oh well i gotta i gotta listen to that and the band is meta they're prog rock ish and uh it's it's really really solid uh there's also a song called dying earth from uh the album sword by Apoc- Apoc- apocrypha that's it apocrypha i think uh, you had the the album and the the band reverse the band is the sword and the album yeah, is- yeah you're it's uh you're right it's well, it's the album sword by apocrypha there we are yeah <laughs> um there's Symphonic Holocaust by Mort Macabre. Dying Earth for me kind of has sort of this like, I don't know, 
dark prog rock feeling to it to begin with. So that's sort of where my brain goes. Um, God Bluff by Vandergraaff Generator is another great album to listen to while, while reading or running this stuff. Uh, I'm just going to spell it. It's Y-S. I don't know if it's meant to be pronounced or not. Uh, by Il Boleto di Bronzo, which is uh, just absolutely a fascinating kind of prog and piano that, that comes through. Um, an album called Same by Arachnoid is, is really solid. Pre-Human Ideas by Mount Erie, which is, it's dark, it's discordant, it, it fits the dying earth in so many ways. It sort of, it takes everything you've listened to so far on that playlist, you hit that and it just sort of fills in all the cracks. And then there's, uh, it ends currently, uh, we'll, we'll add more to it as, as Jen and Mark give us their suggestions, but it currently ends with Extinction, a song by the band Dying Earth, which is more of an no electronic. No here. Oh, yeah, no. Um, so oh, hey, Tony Hogard recognizes Van der, Van der Graaff Generator. Yeah, they're, so, they're a solid, <laughs> solid group. So uh, that's that's what I came up with. I mean, overall... It always kind of gives me a, uh, a Bakashi's uh, Wizards feeling. If, you, if you're familiar with the movie Wizards, the dying earth sort of gives me that same feeling. It's, it's this mostly desolate place filled with, filled with strange dangers and stranger inhabitants. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what I have. Seven and a half hours is what I've got for you musically this show. All right. You're going to add a little bit more to it with Old Man Wizard because their album blame it all on sorcery it just fits in seamlessly all right what about you mark did you have any thoughts i didn't this is something that i was trying to recall what was i listening to when i was writing and you know it's been a while since um since that time I was listening to I the, the one I do recall a lot is that I was listening to a lot of the sword. So, you know, just um some of their albums are very, you know, uh like you said, they've got some, you know, direct inspirations. And um, you know, it's one of those things that uh for me it's it's it it's good background writing music. Um and certainly, you know, that was that was part of what I would call out just from a uh putting you in the mood of uh uh you know, the dying earth and for me, at least, you know, that was something that uh, I liked. Very nice. Well, um, okay, so our soundtrack has been laid out. Um, <laughs> Keeper Mark, do you have a word of the day? Well, I, yes. I, I was going to say... landscape pages. I know you have 406 <laughs> of them in your compendium. There's, you a, there's a lot in the... I think they are all available, right? I think that was one of the things that we did. We put the first hundred in the first dying earth book we and have, then we haven't made the rest available we i pulled like a total of 40 during the kickstarter to oh. do throughout the posts but we haven't shared the entire list of 406 words well maybe that's something that uh we should finally make available i think um maybe as part of oh, the, the sanctum companion and <laughs> fill out a few pages Bob, if you want yeah, you know, we, could, we, we can use really tiny font <laughs> It's it's digital. We don't need to worry about page count. You know, if if the issue ends up the size of Weird Frontiers, it still weighs less than a pound. But that might, that, I think that would certainly be fun to like 
you know, make that full list available and, and kind of what we were using as the background for um, the, the writers, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how can we one up each other finding the most obscure advancing word to put in there and, you know, surprise and amuse our, our fellow writers. I was going to say in the absence of like having a new word, because I, I don't think I there's any new ones. <laughs> but, um, I was going to say my favorite word from this uh, set of the stories is, um, is something I was just going to, you know, highlight, I, the, you know, the, there's a lot of great words. And obviously, this is the inspiration for sort of the word of the day, you know, being or the word of the, the, the episode. Um, but the one that fits the this narrative and, and just really um, captures Kugel in most essence for me is imprecation. And I, I just love, you know, how he's always feeling that the world is the you know is against him. And, you know, that all these these kind of um, you know, things are are piling up and stacking against him, and it's, it's what motivates him. Right? You know, it's it's clearly the narrative thread in terms of like his overall arc is getting back to Yanaku and you know dealing with you know what he sees as this uh, this slight, even though he was there to rob his, his man's in the first place. But um, you know, that's one of the original hundred words that we included in the the dying yeah, earth. It's not uh, in novel. here. <laughs> yeah. So Jen, Jen has like the the tiebreaker book of of Vance verbiage. No. No, I don't. This one is specifically put together by uh, a linguist who fits together the Greek and Latin roots and tries to make sense of some of these words. It's um, it's it an impressive book. It's not just Dying Earth, but it's a very impressive book. That's true. It does. It, it is comprehensive, like pulling a lot of terms from uh, all of the different Jack Vance sources. It is another Spatterlight uh, publication as well. Um, but that means that we don't get every... I wish this was only for Dying Earth. There'd be, you know... This could be the Mark Bruner version. If it was just... Yeah. It would be a lot shorter, I think. Because you know, my, my version only had, like, you know, 406 words. But... Um, they, right, this like, is large print. Don't let it fool you. <laughs> yeah, start, adding, start adding definitions. and. Uh, I, it, it, exactly. We, we got a couple definitions in here. and it's got I mean, at least a good-sized chat book there, Mark. It's it's large enough print that I can read it without my cheaters, so we're doing okay. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Did you have a word? No, it, this is Mark's show. I mean, that this is Mark's. <laughs> okay. uh, my choices are an incorporatory, so um, I will. <laughs> I will move us on. Now, this section is kind of weird. Normally, we talk about existing dcc products that we could easily reskin for this theme that's what i plan on. <laughs> I, mean, I think we're almost better off just listing all of the the dying earth modules in this case but we can also hit that in a minute yeah let's say you know people can already, yeah. people can already pick those up and you know if they're looking for if they're looking for more there is certainly stuff that translates i think really well to the dying earth such as such as the 998th wizard's conclave by uh, by joe good one yeah right i mean that is yeah where, where you've got all of these various various sects and and groups working against each other um it's a very it, it can be a very role play heavy adventure which some of the dying earth stuff really runs as and with just a little bit of tweak you know it's it's now magicians and and you're good to go um 
I think Hole in the Sky, oddly enough, is a is another really good blend for Dying Earth, in that it gets it gets it feels very strange and very alien, and you're traveling you travel across the world in a way that you normally wouldn't, which is which is something we often see in the Dying Earth, and just sort of reskinned once you get to the the final kind of beastie at the end um, with a little bit of cosmetic change from a, an evil creeping jack-o'-lantern to something a little bit more thematic. It's a, I mean, it's a solid adventure to begin with. And I think it'd be a, a solid port to, uh, to dying earth. And then of course, if you want to run the final epoch of the dying earth, black sun, death crawl, black sun, death crawl. <laughs> Black Sun Death Crow. Two uh, episodes in a row. By, by, by <laughs> James <laughs> George. Now you've got is is you set you're digging digging deeper and deeper into the depths of a world where the sun is is irradiating and destroying all life, uh, which is which is certainly different from the red sun at the moment of the dying earth. But who knows what happens at the end? So with a little bit of work. You could you could port that over, and let's face it, I will not miss a chance to plug Black Sun Death Crawl. It's one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> that, that, that's very much love to James. Um, okay, so I'll buy. Actually, Mark, do you have anything you'd like to insert on this one? I mean, just going back to when we were creating Dying Earth at the time, one of the the worlds that you know if it wasn't a direct sort of like, you know, we weren't trying to, you know, do what um, Harley did with his Purple Planet, but Purple Planet has a lot of very, you know, similar types of world structure to the Dying Earth, you know, with a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, interesting locations, you know, it's obviously the the kind of the, the, the red sun and the sparse population, the idea of these ancients that, you know, used to be, you know, very powerful kind of roaming the, the land. But that was something that had just come out, you know, very, you know, a couple of years before the dying earth. And, you know, it was one of these things of, oh, you can, you can game anywhere in DCC world. And, you know, the purple planet being a great example of one of those things. Um, but you could totally take, you know, a lot of the, the adventures and the purple planet setting. If you wanted to overlay a dying earth, um, uh, you know, creatures and, and classes there um, that, that's a, a pretty small, you know, jump, you know, to get to to one uh, from that one. So I, I, I definitely, certainly when when we were developing Dying Earth, you know, pro planning was one of those things that this is great because that means that people already have a reference for what, you know, a, a weird location is, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, I think that was that was something that was really helpful for us. That's fair. And, and you can see, like in my background, with the first edition of um, Oh yeah, yeah, that's... we've got the mushrooms, which are like a <laughs> forest. And... <laughs> um, okay, so I'll I'll bite on the uh, the Harley thing, especially Enter the Dagon. I would love to try that. All the spell duels with magicians, magicians <laughs> versus the NPC wizards. Yeah, and the setting really works. Uh, it feels like something up in uh, on the north side of the river cuts uh, there is one existing product and it's even good one games 
that I'd like to convert to DCC to run with Dying Earth rules, just because it feels like it's written for Dying Earth anyway. It's The Three Wizard Conundrum by Mihaila Teshik. And that was the free RPG Day release last year. And it is probably the prettiest fifth edition fantasy adventure you're you're gonna see. I mean, the, the cover for that is just gorgeous. It's evocative enough, yeah. See, and you didn't think there was anything. Well, it <laughs> it's not a um it's not a DCC product yet. So <laughs> Fair. it doesn't mean it can't be. Enter the Dagon is. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I I I just want to try it for the spell duels. But that being said, in order to run the spell duels with magicians, you're gonna need the DCC Dying Earth box set. So <laughs> that's gonna bring us to our feature for anybody who might be slightly in the dark on what this is going to be. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Dungeon Crawl Classics Dying Earth. Um, headed up by our very own Mark Brunner. Uh, Bob, do you want to put on announcer voice? <laughs> sure. I can do that. Explore the singular world of Jack Vance's dying earth. Set in the distant last days of the world where magic and science blend together and querulous sorcerers feud endlessly. With Dungeon Crawl Classics Dying Earth, you will discover the tools to play in Kugel and Rialto's world, seek the mighty Pendulume, or fall to an indifferent Gru while searching for scintillating baubles among the ensorcelled remains of the ancient Earth. This box set contains comprehensive <laughs> rules, options, and new material for Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG, explicitly designed to capture the setting of the dying Earth. Within, you will find new classes, creatures, patrons, spells, and more inspired by the dying Earth stories for use in your DCC RPG game, including four new classes for DCC RPG, The Magician, That Thing, Wayfair and Witch, as well as new rules for grudge, tro grudge tokens to track the resentments that characters accumulate with every minor imprecation they encounter. This set also includes a beautiful map of the world of the, the Dying Earth, illustrated by Doug Kovacs. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's 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 a lot of there, there's a lot of text to describe everything we worked on and. God, we worked on a lot of stuff, didn't we? <laughs> we worked on a lot of text, yeah. We oh, did, how yeah. lovely. Our, our Twitch mistress said she loves the grudge token mechanic. Oh, good. Yeah, that that was something yeah, I, that, I, that we, we worked on, but we um, I think we landed on something where some some parties or some players, you know, and and, and judges will really enjoy the chance to, um, you know, to to take a little bit more of a Kugel-esque, you know, approach to their games, which is not something that everybody would be a fan of, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was just, there was just so much, well, there was so much packed into the box that we needed a second box for the Kickstarter stuff, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. There's, there's DCC Dying Earth, and then there's the Kickstarter box that, that ramps it up even further. And if, if, by the way, if you if you are listening and you didn't back the Kickstarter, see if your local store did, because that that fourth book has so much fun stuff in it that just essentially box like two. Yeah, yeah. It's the pretty purple box. 
And I know that RFLGS was able to hook up somebody out of state. So it, it never oh. hurts to call around. Yeah, really nice. Shit. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, we, we got to expand the spell list even further. Um, there's an index at some point that lists the source of every notable thing, which book to look at and all of that. Um, Bob, you got to write Mance Kvance? No, House Kvance. Yeah, uh, yes, I, I did. I got I got to write uh, Magician Mance House Kvance. Uh, <laughs> That's what it was. Thank which, you. Which uh, was, was really fun because... When I sat down to do it, we'd already we'd already had our Sanctum live show with John Vance, and so we'd we'd seen a little bit of the house, and he sent me some other pictures, and so there are details throughout the the manse that are taken straight from the Vance home. It is certainly it is certainly the floor plan is not, uh, but <laughs> um, although wow, if I'd seen it, I probably could have. But, uh, but well, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. as soon as they finish building the house, the floor panel match. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, right. It just, it just kind of well, although I don't it. think we saw the basement. <laughs> we were locked out of the basement. No, there, okay. there, there had been some, some issues recently, but, yeah. but so, so I got, I got to do that and, and you know, as a, as a full manse and, you know, with the, with the Sandistons and, and things that were in residence as well. But as you're going through it, it, Jack Vance had a number of really nice like tribal style masks. And so in the manse, there is a room of oracular masks that will, that will speak. And, uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, one of the other things I got to do that was really neat is uh Mark assigned me uh, he assigned me a spell, Blue Havoc, because there's the, kind of this throwaway line of he throws a handful of Blue Havoc. It's like, well, maybe not all Havoc yeah. is blue. <laughs> and so I created the spell of Effective Havoc, and each, each spell result level is a different color, and they have different results and stronger results. And, uh, and so you can have, you can have a, a pocket full of, of utter chaos and doom. <laughs> that was one of the fun parts of you know just taking something that like you said it's not explained or extrapolated on you know any further in the book gives us a lot of fun leeway you know to come up with uh, enough you know of a expanded text to uh to fill the role-playing needs right and so that's a great example of like where you know that concept you know really expand i think you also did the the spell of macroid constigation which is which in the original you know is only referred to as you know the macroid toe right yeah. but it's very like oh easy to say oh, if i did a toe what else could i do with this you know sort of you know enlarging-esque spell and you did a great yeah. job with more well and and i got to do i got to do the location guide for ampredapfir right and when i when i read i you know i reread that entire section that that entire story and going through it i kept coming back to the fact that the vances traveled the world mm -hmm. and you know he, he they had as a matter of fact the person who painted his kitchen ceiling was an artist from italy 
And I realized that Emperor Daphir sounded a lot like uh, Positano, Italy, in the way that the entire area is terraced. And so when I when I did Emperor Daphir, I did that, you know, did it with that in mind and went with that kind of design aesthetic mm-hmm. so that it, it continued to feel not just like something that Vance would have written about, but I wanted to capture the feeling of, of what he had seen mm-hmm. because it certainly comes through in the material and Pradapture seems so real. And I think that's, that's in part why. And I would like to give a shout out to the, my fellow editors on this project, especially the Kickstarter goals. Uh, Bert Isla and Tim Snyder were invaluable in this process and Brian Gilkison made the modules happen. I, I mean, half of them were him and huge thanks to the creators, including those present uh, for their patience while we ironed out the style guide. Uh, Brian and I had to work on those at the same time before we could even have Bert or Tim work on it. Oh, um, that must've been a major undertaking. No, I, I gotta say, um, we almost had things where we wanted them and then we hit Harley's module and we're like, wait, wait, that's right. Harley and Bob, you have these, these NPC magicians who have the rope magic and that's a new thing for NPC stats. Mm-hmm. You don't have that in other products. So we had to figure out, you know, how are we going to do this? Because we need to do it the same all the way across. And just little things like that really, um, it's the minutia that that makes you guys look good. <laughs> that, that's all. It's the Her- Herculean effort that makes us look good. I'm okay with I, Herculean. <laughs> this is a little bit behind the 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 scenes, uh, but I I was just referencing the style guide because we're putting together the final touches on the now announced tournament for Gen Con this year, which is going to be a DCC Dying Earth tournament. And Yay. so getting, having to go back and have that to revisit all the stat and <laughs> like all the stages. Thank you so much oh, for putting that stuff I'm together. I'm so glad it's <laughs> useful now. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. is anything else happening with it? But um, that's that's actually something, you know, if folks aren't aware, there is new content that, you know, in addition to modules and things like that. But, you know, this the tournament this year is going to really kind of be a, another kind mm-hmm. of view into the dying oh, yeah. earth world and um it's terry harley and i that are the you know primary you know uh designers along with several other authors so uh, a great chance for us to kind of revisit the work that we were doing you know with this project so well and it's it's worth mentioning that there was there was something that was originally specific to the dcc dying earth stat blocks which has now become at least in all the projects that I've worked on of late is now standard, which is the end of the stat block where we used to end with alignment. We now include crit, (laughs) crit type, the crit die, and there's an extended crit range. And that, that started as a, as a DCC dying earth thing. And now it is, it's in every carrying forward through all the families. I just had to do it with uh, a link mod. And it, it's right. just an interesting twist. <laughs> it is, you know, it's just it's one of those little things that just sort of sort of built and got bigger. Now you're talking about the blue havoc, though. Um, it brings to mind, as well as the Ion Stones, there are so many color-based spells mm-hmm. 
especially the excellent prismatic spray. And with that in mind, that's what I based the one little curse that I got in there. Uh, the curse of monochromaticity. Mm, so, I love that curse. <laughs> so uh, congratulations. You now see in black and white and good luck casting any color based spells or <laughs> deflecting them because you can't tell what's going to hit you. That's right. Jen edited and wrote on the project. <laughs> yeah, like two hundred words. <laughs> I wrote hey. less in this than. But that's a, that's a, that's a, a great example of like a flavorful addition to the 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 curse canon, but also to the the dying earth um, work itself. Yeah, I love that curse because you're right. Color plays such an important part, and you know this is it's one of those kind of minor things that you well, I guess appears minor in many ways, but really can have a pivotal effect um, if you're cursed with that. And as with every DCC curse, there's not a quick and obvious way to get rid of it. You know, you you don't have like a fifth little cleric on every street corner <laughs> type thing, especially not in the dying earth setting. Um, yeah, there's always like say, a unique... uh, which pilgrims are you following? <laughs> <laughs> right. But then, yeah, there's always such a unique um, expression of how to how to you know remove a curse and what actions you have and even that and finding out that information is a quest in of itself you know for uh for the characters to undergo if they were cursed by one of these uh these new spells and i i'm just looking at, at the expanded spell list and i hadn't actually it hadn't dawned on me how many various color spells there are i mean there's whole arts blue extractive um rialto's green turmoil yeah there's there is a, a number of, of various colored spells that run and the through. prismatic spray gives you seven options. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one that's like, we have a D7, seven. let's use it. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's just color. It, it's really, you don't really stop to think about how much color comes into play in the stories until you know, when I was, when I was working on, on the NPCs, I'm like, wow, the way this person is dressed is described and my God, do they clash? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They were like disco black lights. It was just, <laughs> wow. Kind <laughs> uh, color plays a major role in a world under a red sun where everything has strange shades to it. Somehow mm -hmm. there are still bright yellows. I don't get it, but it works for me. <laughs> so okay um for this next part bob uh i can post links if you want to read sure um as as we wrap up we'll remind everyone we've relaunched the sanctum quorum companion as sanctum Scorum quarterly um our first issue was massive with new monsters magic reviews rules discussions um, even a full adventure based on Tower of the Elephant called Pillar of the Pachyderm, because you don't take chances with a Robert E. Howard licensees. <laughs> don't do that. Um, <laughs> as always, it's available for free on DriveThruRPG. Uh, we're always looking for, for more content and more contributors. So if you're interested in whether it's joining the team for the long haul or you just have something, you know, a little idea you want to contribute to a single issue, drop us a line at the hub at sanctum.media. Uh, we'd love to see the sorts of things you've been creating. Uh, as a note, Jen mentioned earlier, there's a, a little bit of, of restructuring going on right now at, at uh, the Brickman Mance. And so um, 
the June issue will probably be an early July issue. And I apologize for that, but there's, there's it'll be the summer issue. It's fine. Yes, that's right. We'll just change it to, a, I'll just, uh, yeah, I'll just change the cover. Of the first one. We'll just go seasonal. Um, in the meantime, be sure to also <laughs> check out our new releases from Ugandan author, Ashraf Brayton. Uh, he's, there's the Kondo, Laquata, the Bakwezi, uh, Camila, and the Abasezi, the night dancers. Each one of these are each one of these releases are a, a dollar each. They're mini releases, so they're you know one sheet, two sheet foldover zines for you, and they're all based on Ugandan folklore. As a matter of fact, the Abasezi people—it's not even just folklore. People, you can you can see articles and movies about them um, online to, to this very day. Uh, all sorts of great stuff and. All of the all of the uh, sanctums quorum proceeds for that go directly to uh, to Ashraf, who is living in rural Uganda and designing games. So new material from new voices. The Bachwezi. Bachwezi. See that that reminds me. Each release also comes with a pronunciation guide uh, by by our our, our editor Jen, as yeah, well as yeah. audio clips of Ashraf, so you can actually hear it pronounced. Uh, the next release is, well, we don't have the audio clip for this one yet, so we're going to go with uh, Bihogo, which Bihogo? yeah, which ties back to the Bachwezi. Oh, and, wow. uh, it is, yeah, it, it was a, uh, it's a, a mythical beast uh, that is of, uh, of the cattle kind, and that's going <laughs> to release in the coming weeks. <laughs> So if, and then, you know, if you're enjoying the show, comment the podcast uh, or you know, help us by posting a review on iTunes or, or YouTube, because that's where this is going to go after Twitch. Um, if you're a zine fan, hey, give us, give us a, a review on DriveThruRPG. You know, those ratings and reviews do help new people find the podcast. And more importantly, they help people find the community. And, uh, yeah, we just followed the Road Crew Rally, right? It's all about the community here. Oh, so. hey, D&D Lorecast, thank you for the sub. <laughs> hey, fantastic. <laughs> See, joining joining the community. I'm uh, observant. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can join us next month when we discuss Our Lady of Darkness by Fritz Leiber. It says so right here on our fancy schmancy bookmarks. Yes, um, which will next you, be available at Gen Con. Which will no, next be available Origins. at Origins in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, beginning, uh, it opens on June 22nd. Um, I think we're booth 408, but don't quote me on that. It might be 404. Uh, <laughs> something in the, the 400s really close up, so you can't miss it. We'll have the ziggurat. Or so, will there be a ziggurat? If there's a ziggurat, you cannot miss. There, there will be a ziggurat. There will be appendix. <laughs> there will be some surprise stuff. Uh, yeah. So it it'll be a good time. Um, we'll also have, of all people, uh, Matt Hildebrand, our art director for Goodman Games, will be on hand. So if you're there in the morning, stop by and uh, see if he wants to take a look at your portfolio because we're always expanding our artists. Kadra. Is that how you pronounce it, Mark? I don't have the OED. Oh, for me. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> the OED? Is that some new fancy term I'm unfamiliar with? The OED? Oxford 
what was it, Mark? It was the Oxford. oh, the Oxford English Dictionary. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that thing what I don't have access to. Yeah, I still have access. I still love going there and um, using it as a as a resource when, especially when we're doing sanctum episodes and you know finding a, a cool word here and there. We are word nerds. Yes, I love yeah. it. <laughs> you can just cut out word. We are nerds. <laughs> okay. Did anyone well, have any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, so read up on LIBOR for next month. Um, looks like that will probably fall on July 11th. We will double check that with our Twitch mistress and, uh, it'll be posted on the Goodman Games page on, on the schedule, as well as sanctum.media where we post all of our cool stuff. Um, any last thoughts? Well, I, I've got one. I'm I'm looking at the calendar and just based on the date of June 27th, I don't know as we will have a Sanctum Scorm reading room this month. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, it, it's been a really long month and I'll just be getting home from Origins. So blame it on me if you gotta. Um, we'll, we'll return in July with um, proverbial bells on. Uh, bells that, that gets awkward so <laughs> we will uh oh, oh we, wait, hang on and apparently we had we had a redemption for a random fact yes. okay so random fact i earlier <laughs> discussed a, paid for this knowledge <laughs> i i earlier discussed a uh, quest for symbolist by by michael shea die 88 which was the authorized sequel to uh to eyes of the overworld <clears throat> the other books that Michael Shea wrote that were originally meant to star Kugel, but instead starred you know, a Kugel-like character, were Nift the Lean and the Minds of Be of Behemoth or Behemoth. Okay. Uh, and then he also did Inyana, the Touch of the Undying, which was uh, very, very Vancean. Quest for Symbolists, if you can't find DAW 88, was reprinted by Spatterlight Press under their Paladins of Vance label. I love it. So, <laughs> so there is it. there is some knowledge for you, Great Babe, that okay. will now send you running online to spend money. And our late Jan <laughs> our our late July show for the Sanctum Sanctum Sacorum Reading Room will be Who Fears the Devil by Manly Wade Wellman. And yeah, really sorry. Um, we we we're we're just gonna postpone that one for right now. <laughs> um, we got things, Mark. We've got uh, we've got LIBOR for next time. And thanks everybody for hanging out with us tonight. I know it's been a long night for some of you, and especially following the rally. So thanks for your patience, and thanks for uh, being part of the community. Be inspired. You have been listening to the Sanctum Secorum podcast.
The Sanctum Socorum Podcast has been a production of Sanctum Media.